56 degrees, a sunny day on the way. Uh, it'll be a lovely day to have a glass of wine outside. And the man that knows so much about wine, Jack Farrell from Haskell's, joins us on the line with his weekly wine chat. Jack, good to visit with you. Good to talk to you, Steve. Today I thought I would talk a little bit of just the overall wine business, the trends, the changes, etc., that are happening. But before I do that, I should mention I've had lots of emails over some confusion last week. The walleye wine, I said, is Muscadet. It comes from the Loire Valley in France, and it's a nice, dry, crisp white wine. It's not to be confused with Muscat. Muscat is a sweet wine, kind of the basis of Asti Spumante, uh, Moscato from Italy. Muscat is the basis for that. That is, it's a wonderful wine unto itself, but the wine that we talked about to go with walleye is Muscadet, M-U-S-C-A-D-E-T, Muscadet. So, before, now let's talk a little bit about the state of the wine industry as of the first of uh, the year that is 1919. Consumption, it's amazing to me. When I started out 50 years ago in the business, the average consumption in the United States was about a pint. Today, 50 years later, it's two and a half gallons per capita. Uh, we produce in this country over 790 million gallons of wine. So that's two and a half gallons per person for every man, woman, and child. It's just amazing. If someone told me that a long time ago, I said we'd never get to that amount, but we have. And consumers, after 25 years of ups in the wine business, the, the leveling off has been incredible. Last year, the wine business in the United States only grew 2%. That's the first time that has been under double digits in the last 20 years. So that's a remarkable thing. And the consumers are pretty savvy. They're reluctant to accept a lot of uh, price increases, even though the cost of grapes is going up. Uh, they just to, aren't willing to accept those, and they shop around a bit. And so when we look at things, what's going on, one of the best things going on, in my opinion, are different price points. Uh, the wines under a non, under $9 are continuing to struggle, with the exception of box wines. So the wines between 12 and $25 are the ones that are growing in demand, and uh, they pretty much watch their price increases. The wines between 35 and $75 are going to find it very hard to increase their prices. And high-end luxury wines um, like Lafitte, or Domaine Romani Conti, or uh, Silver Meadow out in California, uh, those wines don't have any problem retaining volume level and price level, and that's because so little of it's made that high-end luxury wine. Um, there's a narrowing of land suitable for grapes. Restaurant sales have shown zero growth. And, I, you know, you might wonder about that. I don't. I was out Tuesday night uh, to a restaurant locally. The restaurant shall remain nameless. And my wife and I each had a glass of wine, uh, $18 a glass. I thought that, frankly, was outrageous. 
and the the wine itself is about a $22 bottle of wine to get $18 a glass for that kind of wine. No wonder uh, people are not doing so well, uh, or restaurants aren't doing so well with wine sales. And, and you know, speaking of restaurant wine sales, it's sort of interesting. The The real heroes there are these big wineries because they have enough staff to send around. Sometimes some of the new startup restaurants will go to a local little winery, and they'll really find some good values that are affordable, and they certainly won't charge you $18 a glass. Uh, so no wonder restaurants are tapering off. Uh, Oregon and Washington to continue to amaze me. Uh, the growth there in, in those uh, areas is just sensational. Washington, the Merlot, and, and you know, Merlot's starting to make a comeback. Uh, Merlot is, uh, from Washington, is rivals any of the best Merlot in the world, in my opinion. And the same is true of Pinot Noir in Oregon. And they are doing more things with Chardonnay in Oregon as well. But the Pinot Noir there is really growth growing rapidly. Uh, the overall supply of wines is, is well-balanced. There's a particularly strong demand continual for Chardonnay. And uh, the millennials are moving away from red blends, and they're moving into uh, varietals, and that's having a positive effect. And uh, so I would look for no price increases this year in, in a lot of wines, uh, if they want to maintain their share of the market, the uh, of course China is still a great market for the U.S. wines, and it's growing by double digits. The retail wine business below nine dollars is very very soft, and the reason for that is uh, simple: I, the wines are going down in quality. And uh, look what happened with uh, the phenomenon of Yellowtail. Yellowtail was a uh, Australian wine, very inexpensive, uh, and it, it actually fragmented and reduced the whole share of Australian wines in this country. And as they increased their demand, and it went to millions of cases, the quality went down proportionately. And Yellowtail, while still sells a lot of cases in the United States, it, it is not a growth pattern, and it is diminishing in sales. And like I say, the reason for that is simply the quality. Consumers are getting very, very smart when it comes to quality of wines. And, and when we think of that, if you find a $9 bottle of wine, and there are some, but it's very hard and getting harder all the time to be able to tag into those kind of wines. Uh, box wines are a growth area, and it's all in a few brands. Constellation, which is a big, big company, uh, Black Box and their Vendage uh, continue to dominate the market, followed by the Delicatio family with their Boda Box, and then Trinchero with Sutter Home. Gallo has three, Vela, Liberty Creek, and Naked Grape. And lastly, the wine group has Franzia. And that box wine is a billion-dollar-a-year market. And the, now they're introducing these Tetra Packs. And the Tetra Pack reminds me of an old-time 
when we used to have wax cartons for milk. The Tetra box is the same as that, except it's lined uh, with uh, aluminum foil and uh, some kind of aluminum. I don't know if it's foil or not. And they're uh, usually packed in a liter. And it's soft-sided. People like to take them when they're going camping and things like that where you can't take bottles. But the Tetra pack is showing some growth. The imports growth is tremendous in the United States for French wine, for New Zealand wine, and for Italian wine. The big losses, as I said, are Australia, Spanish, Argentina, and Chile. And, of course, the last three really followed Spanish, Argentina, and Chile. That trend going down in wines, where the wines under $9 are losing market. Uh, the growth in uh, New Zealand is about 11%, and French is about 15%, and that continues to grow. And the reason for that is they're making such good wines for low cost in France and Italy, and uh, it's, it's amazing. I, when I started out in this business, some of those wines you couldn't give away, and I, there was a good reason for it. They weren't very good. Now, those same wines here 20 years later by the winemakers taking advantage of great techniques and technology are producing very, very drinkable wines that are very affordable. The millennials, we hear a lot about them, are eating at home with wine rather than going out. It's sort of interesting that two-thirds of the millennials require financial support outside their own. In other words, their parents or somebody is helping them. And more live at home than live with roommates. So that affects considerably uh, the restaurant wine business. And we see absolutely no growth in restaurants. In fact, the amount of restaurants in the United States that serve wine, believe it or not, last year dropped almost 7%. So uh, with regard to price segments, red wines still dominate the premium wine growth. And the 11 to $15 area in that premium wine is the one to look out for. It is absolutely terrific. Uh, the blend wines are going to go down. And so yeah, there you have it, as capsulized as I can get a report that's 57 pages long. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, Jack, always great to hear from you, and we learned so much uh, from Jack Farrell each and every Saturday morning on his wine chat. Uh, tell us what's going on right now at Haskell's. Well, Haskell's was gearing up. We just started our fabulous summer sale today, and you can find hundreds and hundreds of wines on sale. And, you know, the folks at Haskell's love to pair food and wine. And incidentally, when I mentioned that pairing, uh, somebody sent me an email uh, which is the good wine to have with s'mores? And I mentioned that earlier. It's called Cavatina Moscato. It comes in a gold bottle, and it'll enhance your s'mores between the marshmallow and the chocolate and the graham cracker. It is a delicious combination. But there's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars and learn all about Cavatina Moscato and your other favorites as well. Haskell's in Bloomington, Excelsior. There's a Haskell's in Fairbowl right off of 35. Maple Grove, our super seller, is not to be missed. In downtown Minneapolis, there's free parking on both Saturday and Sunday. Haskell's at Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul's Highland Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come into Haskell's, go to Haskell's.com, where you can also peruse our summer sale items. All right, Jack, have a great day. 
Steve, you too. I'm going to look forward to next week talking again to Denny.